Hello, I'm K.O. Hurston, and welcome to Hurston on Tennessee Family Law. Step parents. That word sometimes has a bad connotation in our culture. From a young age, we are inundated with characters from fairy tales and literature, like the wicked stepmother who felt threatened by Cinderella, or the evil queen in Snow White who becomes angry when the magic mirror proclaims the beauty of her stepdaughter, or the stepmother from Hansel and Gretel who banishes her stepchildren to the woods when there's not enough food to eat. While those characterizations are unfair to the vast majority of step-parents, they serve to illustrate how being a step-parent is an inherently delicate situation for everyone involved. It's also an increasingly common situation. As divorces increase and parents remarry to form blended families, there are more step-parents today than ever before. The reality is that step-parents can and often do have a profound effect on a child's development, especially how the child adjusts to the divorce. As a family law attorney, I often see hostility between parents and step-parents, hostility that is ultimately harmful to the child. In this podcast, you will hear from a mother and stepmother who have managed to succeed where so many others fail. Julie is a former client of mine. She was married to Chris and they have a daughter, Lainey. Several years after their divorce, Julie and Chris disagreed about what school Lainey should attend. That dispute had to be resolved by the judge. While representing Julie in that case, I couldn't help but notice that she had the kindest things to say about Chris's new wife and Lainey's stepmother, Shannon. It's not often that I hear a parent say such positive things about their relationship with the child's stepparent. Now that the litigation between Julie and Chris is behind them, I was able to sit down with Julie and Shannon to discover what makes their relationship work so well. All right, so Julie, you were divorced in 2012. Correct. And you have a nine-year-old daughter. When you and your ex-husband got divorced, what was your relationship like in terms of co-parenting? What was it like initially? Rough, I would say, in the sense that you know, he had been living in Arizona. And so we were still figuring that out. And it wasn't something that we were 100% in agreement in the final parenting plan at the time. Um, You know, it's one of those situations where nobody had exactly what they wanted. And there was still a lot of tension involved, not just with the parenting plan, but with the divorce in general, that made um, communication, I would say, rocky. And then, you know, fast forward a few years after the divorce and you all end up having a dispute over school zoning and what school your daughter should go to and so forth. And ultimately, you had to go to the court to get that issue resolved. And it was resolved ultimately in your favor. How did that affect your relationship with your ex-husband? I would say prior to going back to court, there had started to be what I consider natural improvements that time just helps to create. And so this brought back some raw emotions that never really were dealt with. Uh, And it also, um, so it it made things stressful again is what I would say. 
But at the same time, going to court and having to testify was a very big learning experience for me and how I handle conflict and how I handle communication with Chris. And so even though it was not an ideal situation and, you know, you say I win, but nobody really won in that situation. And, and so I think that it allowed me to do some time reflecting on how to make the relationship better. And, and Shannon definitely played a large part in that, Lainey's stepmom. And so I think that it, it was tense, but ultimately I think that our relationship wouldn't be where it was today if we hadn't had that last big fight. Well, and in the course of representing you in that matter, you had told me about Shannon quite a bit, and you repeatedly told me just how grateful you were that she was involved in your daughter's life. And that stood out to me because I don't often hear words like that spoken about a step-parent. And so uh, I appreciate you and Shannon both coming to do this podcast, and hopefully others can learn from, uh, from your relationship. But let's start with just step-parent relationships in general. Um, Julie, why do you think that just as a general rule, they're so often challenging? Well, when you're in a situation where you have a non-amicable divorce, and a parenting plan that everybody really didn't get what they want. There is a lot of distrust in the situation. And then another person comes in, and it's easy to sort of say, oh, they're on his team. And so you put up a guard, and you associate that same potential trust issues that you have with the ex with the, the step-parent. And, and so Shannon did some things and said some things that made me feel like I could trust her and that there was no ulterior motive to why she was wanting to have conversations with me. The motive was exactly what she said it was, which was to do what was in the best interest of Lainey. And there were things, like I said, that she said and did that made me trust her. And then in turn, that allowed uh, me to open up more to her. And then the relationship just grew from there. Do you recall any specific examples of things that she said that uh, helped you trust her? The number one thing is that she's not afraid to admit Chris's weaknesses. So it wasn't like she was 100% trying to defend every decision that he made. And so this uh, ability to not be unwilling to admit weaknesses to me and be vulnerable, that is a very vulnerable thing, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. made it very easy for me to see her authentic self. I see. So Shannon, why do you think it's so uncommon for parents to have good relationships with step-parents? So I agree. I think that there's a lot of unresolved issues in divorce, and that comes out uh, in the step-parent relationship. But the way I try to approach it for myself is that the children are, if you will, innocent victims in all of this, and they didn't ask for any of this. So it is our duty as their leaders, as their parents, to do what we can to make this situation the best that we can for them so that they can continue to you know, lead productive lives and, and, and come out of this you know, the best they can. Why do you think so many people struggle 
doing that. Because they don't think of the children first and they think of themselves first. And you can't put yourself first in this situation. You know, my only observation is from what I see in my law practice, but do you think there are sometimes issues with respect to like uh, boundary issues or just maybe some unspoken lines that, that, that shouldn't be crossed? And I, I'm thinking of a specific example that, that I had in, in a case I handled where I represented the mother and the, I think the child was maybe a six-year-old girl, and the stepmother took the daughter to Claire's in the mall and got her ears pierced without having consulted with the mother. And this was obviously a very big deal for the mother. And we had to subpoena the uh, forms from Claire's that you fill out when you get a child's ears pierced. And the form, on the forms, the stepmother had listed herself as the mother. I must interject right here. Because this is a podcast, you can't see Julie and Shannon's faces when they heard what you just heard. I interrupted their interview to share that both of them had their jaws to the floor with looks of shock and disbelief on their faces. All right, back to the interview. And uh, anyway, that that apparently was a boundary that uh, that could, <laughs> was not supposed to have been crossed. Uh, and it caused a lot of consternation. And, and you know, so that's, I mean, I guess I see things like that. And uh, I just didn't know if you all had any other insight as to what uh, what it is. is. Is it jealousy? Is it, you know, is it us against them? Meaning that I've, I've, you know, like, I've married Chris, so now I'm on team Chris as opposed to team Laney is what it really is. And, you know, and, and sometimes you see that. And I just didn't know if you all had any thoughts on that. Right. I do think that a lot of times the step parent, especially the stepmom, tries to assert their authority, uh, that they have a role in the child's life. And, and really, I still want to, I think, that respecting what the parents, which are Chris and Julie, want, and I'm just there to help facilitate that. I'm not there to take over. And I would never do anything like that without the parental consent. I'm curious, do you ever see any examples of um, step-parent conflict in your role as a pediatrician? Every day, unfortunately. And that also influences the way I want to handle this relationship because I see kids suffer. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that for any of the children involved. Julie, let me ask you, let's go back to when you first learned that Chris was getting serious uh, with Shannon and that Shannon was spending a lot of time with Lainey. What was your first impression of her? So I will say that with Chris and what I've known about him in the over a decade we, we spent together, that I knew the kind of person he would end up dating. And I actually never worried about whoever he would bring into Lainey's life. That was never a concern of mine with his, with Chris. And I will say that there are situations where parents can't say that about their ex. They can't have that confidence that that other person is going to be a positive role model. I, I know that Chris would never bring in anybody who was big into conflict and arguing and raising their voice and that he would bring somebody into his life and Lainey's life that was a nurturing, caring, helping individual. 
I always knew that. So after an incident where her um, skills as a pediatrician were very much needed and it was time for Chris to have to introduce me to Shannon, maybe before he was ready to, maybe before it was going to be apparent to Lainey that he was with somebody, a situation arose and I had to meet her. And I can remember going to work on Monday to my friend's office. First thing I did is I sat down and I said, I think Chris has a girlfriend and she's a pediatrician at Children's Hospital. <laughs> and she, my friend was like, wow, you're not upset about this at all. I'm like, oh my goodness, no, this is the best thing ever. He's dating somebody and she seems awesome. So for me, it was easy because I never doubted who Chris would choose to bring into Lainey's life. And I'm lucky in that regard mm-hmm. when it comes to Chris. And I know that not all... Divorced couples, divorced parents can say the same thing. Shannon, what were your first impressions of Julie? Well, you have to remember that I had only heard one side of the story. (laughs) A very flattering picture, I'm sure. Correct. (laughs) So I wasn't really sure what to make of it, but I also had been through my own divorce, so I know there are two sides to every story. So I tried to come into it, you know, with an open mind and just see actually who Julie really is not what I was everything I was told because like I said everybody's going to have their perspective and it's you know different from which side you're looking at it Mm -hmm. well was there anything in your initial interactions with Julie that made you question the version that you'd been told well his version is true for him right right but um I was surprised that she was very friendly and easy to talk to, and very easy to get along with. Julie, let me ask you, you were involved, directly involved in that, you know, it was a tense moment in your relationship with Chris. Was there any tension uh, that sort of uh, developed between you and Shannon through that process? Well, I'd say that we never really had a hard time communicating. And then when that came up, there was, it was awkward you know, there we took a step back, I think, in how openly we communicated with each other during that time. And she did send me some texts to help me understand what Chris was going through. And it was useful for me to know um, what he was going through that I never saw. I think that is one of the biggest issues that Chris and I had is that We didn't ever, I would say we didn't always let our true feelings show to each other. We were guarded. And and so Shannon was able to share some things with me that helped me to understand how he was actually feeling about things. But it was never a, you are wrong, and why are you doing this? And it was more of just trying to help me see the big picture. Mm -hmm. Well, and Shannon, I can tell you that throughout that litigation, Julie was telling me, I'm so grateful that Shannon is there. I'm so, I'm so grateful that she's involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really, that was unusual to me. And I think the main reason why is because of the open lines of communication. And it's not that just that um, I felt comfortable talking to her, but I feel like she listens to me. And there's a difference you know, talking and listening or letting somebody talk and actually listening to them are different. And, and But I also say that I truly understand now that Shannon and Chris were supposed to be married and 
we weren't. Um, <laughs> and, and so I think that uh, it works the way it's supposed to work. And that has, that has definitely been the case. And I can say with absolute certainty that my relationship with Chris and our parenting relationship would not be as progressed as it is if it wasn't for Shannon being there and being the, a translator of sorts. Because I, I tell people that um, when it comes to communication, I like to say that everybody has their own communication wavelength. And if those wavelengths never cross, then miscommunication happens. And what I've realized through years of counseling, which I'll also say is a very important part of this, and, and my own reflection is that my wavelength never crosses with Chris's, but Shannon's does. And so, and I think hers also crosses with mine. And so she is a translator in a lot of ways and helping me understand what his motivations really are because I perceive them as one thing. And she's able to say, nope, that's not what he means by it at all. I'm like, okay, well, tell me, Shannon, what does he mean? And I'm like, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. I think I've even actually said that before. Um, And so then we can actually get somewhere. You know, and that that is something I see all the time in family law-related disputes it's where people assume the other party's acting with bad intent mm-hmm. in some way or the other. And oftentimes as a lawyer, we have to say, well, you know, there's, a, there's an innocent reason why they may be doing it this way or why they, they may want that. It's not necessarily just to punish you or make your life miserable or whatever. It, it might be for something else. So were, were there ever any, other than this period of litigation, was there ever or were there ever other times where there was tension in either your relationship with Chris or in you, in you all's relationship as step-parent? Well, just because the court date was over and a ruling had been made on where Eleni was going to go to school did not make that solution ever just be settled. And there was still a tremendous amount of tension specifically at Chris's household in regards to the school. And also what we found out through Shannon was that Lainey was coming to me and telling me all the things she loved about her current school. And she was going home to Chris and telling him all the things that she hated about her current school. And so here is a father who never really wanted her child to go to a school in the first place. And all his child ever does is come home and complain about it. And that, when Shannon helped me see that, I finally understood why he was still so unhappy with the schooling situation and why he was so concerned with Lainey's well-being at that school. He was getting a completely different picture than what I was. Well, and uh, and oftentimes when there's conflict between mom and dad, kids can pick up on that. And they want to please both. And so to please mom, we say what mom wants to hear. And to please dad, we say what dad wants to hear. And that happens all the time. Right. Uh, and, and the thing is, 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 as a parent, what you want to know is, well, what's the truth? How do you figure out what reality really is? And for me, after talking with Shannon and actually talking to a child counselor, I think that the truth for her was a little bit of both. 
she was just choosing who she was. I don't think the happy things she was telling you about were a lie, and I don't think the sad things you were telling Chris was about was a lie. And so I think it's hard to figure out what the truth really is for that child and how they're perceiving things. But what I ultimately knew was, regardless of the particular school situation, if we couldn't get Lainey to a place where she knew that whatever she said at both houses was going to be known by the other houses, then we could run into a situation where our child would begin to manipulate. Right. And that would have a detrimental mm-hmm. long-term effect on relationships and her success in life. And above all else, that issue of her being a different person at each house had to be resolved. And Shannon was able to help me understand what was going on. And we made some drastic changes because of that. That's great. That's great. Well, how would you describe your relationship today? I think it's good. I think another issue that came about from that was there was a fear amongst both Chris and I to say when anything bad happened at our house because of concerns of ramifications or repercussions or something like that. And and so we didn't necessarily know that there were some underlying issues going on with Lainey. And we had a great counseling session. Shannon comes to came to the counseling session. Lainey wasn't there. It was Shannon, Chris, and I at Lainey's child counselor talking about um, some issues. And we were able to discuss the fact that if I send you a text, Chris, and I say, Lainey is saying this. This isn't because I think it's true. It's because if you know what she's telling me, then we can figure this out and get to the bottom of it. If Lainey's saying, I'm really unhappy because dad does X, he needs to know that. And I'm not telling him that because I'm wanting to say he's a bad dad, but I'm telling him that because I want to know what the true story is and to why she feels that way so we can resolve it. And once we were able to realize that this isn't about one parent trying to um, maybe punish or take back to court, there's always that fear of going back to court, right? Right. So once you've been to court, well, he took me to court once, he could take me to court again. So once we were able to realize that, hey, this is really just about trying to make the situation better in communication, then um, it, honestly, the trust that I have received from Shannon and that I feel towards Shannon has allowed me to trust Chris more. And, and we wouldn't have gotten there without Shannon, but also without that um, child counselor. That was both very, two very important things. Shannon, you've heard Julie uh, describe her thoughts on your relationship today. What, what do you think about that? Oh, I, I think it's it's really good, and and I think that um, it's important for people to know that you may not always agree, but we I t- her perspective as far as and Chris's perspective as far as Lainey goes is what matters, and whether I agree or not is is not really the issue. It's for me to help them impl- implement what is best for their child, and I just wanted her to see which I think she always knew, but sometimes it wouldn't come across in the way Chris would say things, is that he always has Lainey's best interest at heart, even if he can't communicate that well. So Mm -hmm. I try to help bridge that gap between the two of them. How have you seen your presence in Lainey's life benefit her? So I think that it's, it's not good for a child to perceive their parents as not liking each other or not getting along. And I think that 
things that I have helped to facilitate have made Lainey feel more like her parents can do things together and work together and like each other. And that's how I think I've helped. That's super important. Julie, what benefits have you seen for Lainey that Mm -hmm. you attribute to your relationship with Shannon? Well, you know, I was thinking about this and I recently did some charity work for the Restoration House over the weekend and they help single mothers who are homeless or on the verge of hopelessness get back to a functioning member of society. And, you know, a lot of times people will say, oh, you're a single mother. And I don't think that's fair because a lot of times when you refer to a single mother, you're talking about a sole parent. And I'm not a sole parent, Um, which means that Lainey does not have one parent. Lainey has three parents. You know, I am grateful for the fact that Shannon tries to be the facilitator and understand what I want and what Chris wants and what we decide on and implement it. And I am grateful for the fact that there are times where She'll be like, I don't really see it that way, but it's your decision to make and I'm going to respect that. And I do believe that she does respect that. But I do really believe that I'm not a single parent. I'm a co-parent and and that all three of us are an important part of that. So what that means to Lainey is that Lainey has two awesome mother figures in her life. She has a hospitalist at Children's Hospital at one house, and she has an assistant department head in a college of business at another house. We both have advanced degrees. We're both successful, caring individuals. And I think that's pretty awesome that Lainey has that kind of female role model in her life mm-hmm. all the time. Why do you think you all have been able to succeed where so many others fail? Both of us have seen counselors in our lives. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason I know the reason why I do is because I realize that understanding why my brain is doing causing me to do the things I do can help me from a professional who knows that better than I do can help me to understand what's going on and how to make rational decisions and why certain things from my past might be influencing things. And and you know you, you Shannon mentioned earlier about how parents need to do what's best for the child and put the child's first. If you look at a parent parenting situation where you might say, co-parenting situation where you might say, those parents are not putting the child first. If you were to ask them if they were, they'd all probably say, yes, we are. Because what they don't realize is there's some underlying fear that is causing them to impose their own triggers onto the situation. Mm-hmm. And, and so counseling has helped me to understand, you know, what triggers me and how to remove that from when I look at Lainey so I don't impose those things on her. And I've seen Shannon do things before where, you know, she throws things away, but Lainey doesn't. And so just because she would throw something away and she likes things nice and tidy and she can probably explain to you why she likes it that way. She doesn't impose that on Lainey. She allows Lainey to be her own autonomous person. And I, I know I wouldn't be where I am without the counseling to help me separate different emotions and feelings. And I think that that's a huge part is not being afraid to go out and talk to somebody who it's like a doctor. It's like a personal trainer who that is their life is to understand how your brain causes you to do the things that you do. Shannon, I want to ask you the same question. Why do you think you all have been able to succeed where so many others can't? Well, again, I think that the most important thing, and I, I told this to Julie before, I wouldn't be true to, my, true to my profession if I wasn't a child advocate. So I think one of the most important things you can do is make the life of the child the best you can so they can grow up to be the best they can. 
and you just have to forget about your own insecurities, your own jealousies, and things that you may not do it, maybe not be done the way you want it to be done, and say, what is best interest of this child at this particular time? And how can we make this child's life better? And I think when I always say that first, then the lines of communication stay open and we have a good relationship and things run much smoothly, much more smoothly. I will say that if we didn't trust each other, then we wouldn't be able to be as honest with each other as we are. And since we both want to put the child's best interest first, if we didn't trust each other, then we wouldn't be fully capable of doing that. And so we are fortunate that we do trust each other. My advice is to try to figure out a way to build the trust. And I read a book once called The Anatomy of Peace, and it talks about um, collusion and that you have to break the cycle. But in order for that to happen, one person has to finally make the first step. Right. And... In my opinion, Shannon made the first step when she asked to meet with me, and she wasn't afraid to acknowledge weaknesses. And, you know, because it is two of them and one of me, right? And so it's hard to not do this Team Chris, Team Julie thing. And there's two of them, there's one of me, and she's so smart. And all these insecurities can come in for for me. And then she immediately told me something that could have caused insecurities for her, And there was that trust there that made me not be afraid to be honest. And that's what it really was about is I trust her completely. It's the trust and the honesty in the relationship. I just want to reiterate what Julie just said. I mean, there's not Team Chris and and Team Julie. We're all one team. Team Laney. Team Laney, exactly. And that's our goal. And whether or not you always agree, it doesn't matter. You just have to come to an agreement that everybody can live with and everybody um, is okay with and implement that as a team, as a group. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I want to give a big thanks to Julie and Shannon for letting me interview them and share their story with you. There are lessons all of us can learn and inspiration we can draw from their experience. All of us will benefit from giving more attention to parents and step-parents who've been able to successfully navigate the challenging dynamics of the parent-step-parent relationship. If you agree, do your part by sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues. I'm K.O. Hurston. Thanks for listening.